0: Thank you for listening to audio from First Baptist Church of Flora. If you would like more information about our church, please visit www.fbcflora.org. So today I want to talk about heart problems. Heart problems. You know, it's a big health risk in our nation. Uh, It's the number one leading cause of death, men and women uh, in in our nation. uh, We've all been touched by it in some way or another. We've all seen the effects of heart disease uh, in one way or another, like I said, number one cause of death, leading cause of death. We've all seen the results. been a firefighter for 25-plus years, done CPR on tons of people just as, as recently as just a few days ago. Uh, see the results of heart disease right after I graduated from seminary back in 1989. Around that time, 89-90, uh, Vicki's father, uh, who was pastor at First Baptist Church of Thibodeau, Louisiana at that time, Uh, Had quadruple bypass surgery. Uh, A few years later, my father had a triple bypass uh, surgery. Uh, I'm probably next. I mean, you know, and so I just it just it hits us. It's it's part of it. We we all uh, we all we do everything that we can try to do to uh, uh, you know uh, protect ourselves from it. Try to exercise and eat right. And I I don't I I don't. I don't exercise enough and I eat wrong and so you know that it's just kind of the way it is but uh it, it's just part of it so, but but so today as we continue this homework series um we're going to talk about the heart but um not our physical heart we're going to talk about our spiritual heart specifically this morning we're going to talk about the heart of a father now uh, last week was uh mother's day and so we kind of focused on the ladies last week and and uh so today, it's not Father's Day, but I feel like it's important as we continue thinking about on Sunday mornings in the month of May, home and family, homework, on Wednesday nights, we're talking marriage matters, we'll be doing that again this Wednesday night uh, in refresh, I hope that you come, we've been having just crazy uh, numbers of people on Wednesday nights, it's been so wonderful, so I hope you'll come again this Wednesday night, it'll be me again this Wednesday night, uh, preaching on what marriage is and what marriage isn't, and then next Wednesday night, the 25th, uh, Dr. Ron Mumbauer, I will be speaking that night. So it's going to be we have a, couple of, a couple more weeks in that. But this morning, thinking about the heart of a father and, and the importance of that. Physiologically, men are more at risk for physical heart disease. Men are more at risk. But I, I want to submit to you today that I strongly believe that spiritually men may be more at risk too for spiritual heart disease. Now, ladies, before you get up in arms and say, You crazy, you don't know what I, I, I do, I, we're all under attack. We're all under attack. The enemy is coming hard for all of us. That's why, brother or sister, you better make sure that you are keeping the armor of God on all the time. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Be strong in the Lord and the strength of His power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the schemes of the enemy. Put it all on. The helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth, Shoes of the readiness of the gospel of peace. Take up the shield of faith, the sword of the spirit, and pray in the spirit. You better be in it all the time because the enemy's coming for all of us. But I got to tell you that I believe as a man, as a father, as a husband, I believe that the enemy targets us in a very specific way. Now he targets you ladies too, but he targets us as men too in a very specific way, due due to our place of. Spiritual leadership and responsibility in the family and in the church. I'm telling you, I tell every young man that sits in front of me, and if I've ever done this with, with you guys and young couples for premarital counseling, I'm telling you, i you know, they're sitting there starry-eyed and so in love, and everything just can't wait for the wedding, that all that kind of stuff. But I'm telling you, i look straight at the at the at the young man sitting there and say, bro, it is on your shoulders. It's on you. And you better make sure that you are walking with the Lord. It's the spiritual leadership of your home is squarely on your shoulders. Now, that doesn't abdicate or uh, absolve the women and the moms and the wives of any responsibility. I'm, that's not, not at all what I'm saying, but I'm telling you, the Word of God is so clear that the, that the man is to be the spiritual leader of the home. And so, if the enemy, and we're the spiritual leaders of the church, I, I, I believe that the Word of God teaches that the pastor of the church should be a man. Uh, I believe that that's clear in the Word of God. I'm not saying that there, that there's not a place for women in ministry. Obviously, this place would fall apart if Cindy Sansing wasn't on staff with us. And so I believe strongly in that in the importance of women in ministry. But I believe that the place of the senior pastor in a church it belongs to a man. And so... If, if the enemy can, can infect us men with spiritual heart disease and, 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 and inflict that upon our families and then infiltrate our, our families and our churches with that through us men, the enemy's a long way down the road to doing a whole lot of serious damage to the families and to the church in the world today. And so that's why I think it's so important. And as a man, I'm talking to you guys today. Now, ladies, it's in your time to check out. In fact, I'm expecting some good amens from the ladies in the house today. But I'm just telling you, this is going to be so important for us men to think about today. So y'all grab your Bibles. I hope you got your Bible with you. I hope you bring it every Sunday. Malachi It's the last It's the last book of the Old Testament, and we're looking at the last three verses of the last book of the Old Testament. So we're looking at the last three verses of the entire Old Testament right now. Malachi chapter 4, verses 4, 5, and 6. I just put 5 and 6, but I should have put 4, 5, and 6. Malachi, I keep saying Matthew. Malachi chapter 4, verses 4, 5, and 6. So stand please and let's read these three verses real quick. God is speaking through Malachi and saying, Remember the law of my servant Moses, the statutes and rules that I commanded him at Horeb for all Israel. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the, great, before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Pray with me. Father, I ask you right now by the power of your Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts. Gives the courage and strength to obey. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Thanks so much. You may be seated. All right, real quick overview of the book of Malachi since I'm just doing, a little, doing one sermon with three verses out of this book. I want to tell you what this book is all about. It was written uh, in uh, 520 years before Jesus, 520 B.C. It's when this book was written. So what does a book that was written 520 years before Jesus have to do with us? Well, hang on. I think we'll find out. So look at, think about what's going on here. We've come to the end of the Old Testament. We just read the last three verses of the entire Old Testament. So we're at the end of the Old Testament. We're at the end of all the prophets, these guys that, that, that were God's prophets. We're at the end of a long line. Malachi was the last one in a long line of these prophets. So you're expecting him. when somebody, Somebody's last words are usually important words, famous last words, those kinds of things. And so you would expect that Malachi, who's given the responsibility of closing out the Old Testament, is going to say something very significant, and he does. Because let me tell you what happens after this. After Malachi speaks, after this, God goes silent for 400 years. It's called the intertestamental period. Between Malachi and Matthew, between the Old Testament and the New Testament, you got 400 years of silence. God doesn't speak anymore. 400 years dr david jeremiah a great preacher out in california written a lot of books a lot of people like to read he's a super preacher and he had this to say about the book of malachi he said if you imagine the prophetic books of the old testament as personal letters from god to the people the letter known as malachi was the last one to arrive in israel's mailbox for a long long time many weary empty years would pass as those who loved and revered the Lord went to the mailbox again and again only to to find it empty and it would stay empty for more than 400 years. So Malachi, when he shuts this thing down, when God shuts it down with Malachi, he shuts it down for 400 years. The name Malachi literally means, in Hebrew it means my messenger. And so God's using Malachi as his messenger. He said, Malachi, you my messenger. And i got something I want to say to, to the people through you. This, this book is written like in a dialogue between God talking to the people. God talking to His people. And saying, this is what you need to do. This is, what, this is what's going on. And I want, to, I want to tell you something. The reason He needed to speak to His people so directly was this reason. And I think this is another reason why this book applies to us so much. is because God's people had grown distant from Him. More and more, they were just growing more and more spiritually distant, more and more spiritually disobedient. They, they, were, they were growing more and more spiritually apathetic. They just didn't care anymore. I want to tell you something. Can I tell you something real quick? Mark Sanford can attest to this as well. What we're experiencing, and I don't want us to pat ourselves on the back because pride goes before destruction, but I want you to understand that what we're experiencing in this church right now is not happening in a whole lot of places. Churches everywhere are drying up and dying. Because of the apathy of God's people. And that's why we got to stay on our knees. That's why we got to keep crying out to God. That's why we have to keep protecting and being ready for the attacks of the enemy. Because the enemy doesn't like what God's doing in this church. To his glory, what God's doing in here. And what he's doing among his people. But I'm telling you, this didn't happen everywhere. Because just like back then, people were growing so spiritually apathetic and moving away from God, that's what's happening everywhere in our nation. Right here in the Jackson metro area, man, churches everywhere in our across Hines and Madison County just drying up. Just drying up. And that's what's going on here. And that's why God said, I got some stuff to say to my people through you, Malachi. You are my messenger. Some of the things He said to him, He wanted to make sure that he understood his consistent love for them. Right off the bat, he said, "I love y'all. <laughs> You're not walking with me, but I love you." And God always His love is unconditional. So He talked to him about His consistent love for them. He talked to He gave a clear rebuke to the priests. The guys that were leading the people were were dishonoring God. That's happening in churches everywhere too. God gave a critical assessment of their damaging marriage. And now, look, I don't I don't want them. I don't want you to feel beat up by this, but I'm just telling you there's a verse in Malachi where God says, He says, I hate divorce. And that's what He was saying. You, y'all you folks have messed marriage up. Man, uh, oh, <laughs> you think we've messed marriage up in this nation? So God's saying to them, y'all have messed this up. I established it and now y'all have messed it up. He's going to say something about that. He's saying something about that in our, na- in our day today too. He also talked about his commitment to justice and how weary he was with them being so unjust toward people. They were just treating people like dirt. I mean, they they didn't care about... When you walk away from the Lord, you don't care about people. All you care about is yourself. That's the way they were doing it. That's what they were doing. He talked to them about their the, His covenant promise when it comes to tithing, giving 10% of your income to the Lord. And He says, if you don't do that, you are robbing Me. Do you understand that? When we don't give a tithe to the Lord, give our tithes, 10% of our income to the Lord, we're robbing Him. Some people don't believe that. I absolutely do. That's what God says. And then He also talks to Him about His plan, the way He was going to culminate His plan in dealing with the wicked people and the righteous people. Listen, this is serious business. And throughout this whole book, His whole message to the people, and really every prophet sort of had this overarching message The message was, return to me. That's what God would say to him. Y'all have wandered away from me, but come home. Come home to me. You remember Jesus telling the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 15? That's that picture. It's the picture of the loving father sitting there saying, son, just come home. If you'll come home, I'm right here. And that's what he's saying. And so that is our only hope. Our only hope is to return to the Lord. The only hope for for mothers, that we talked about last week, the only hope for mothers is to return to the Lord. The only hope for fathers is to return to the Lord. The only hope for kids and grandkids is to return to the Lord. The only hope for you seniors that are graduating. I love all the the, the plans that you've got and the scholarships and the, the hopes for careers and schoolship but I'm telling you, your only hope is to return to the Lord. The only hope for families in our world and our nation is to return to the Lord. The only hope for this nation is that we return to the Lord, And that's that's what the the prophets were saying. That's what Malachi, that's what God said to the people through Malachi. Return to me. So the application for this message today is that God has a plan to turn the hearts of fathers back to their kids. And it means returning to the Lord. Three things. Number one, once you see the standard. God's revealed word. Let me tell you something. God's got a standard and that standard does not change. And that is this right here the revealed Word of God, this is God's standard. And look, that's, that's what it's all about. And you see what he says in verse 4? He said, remember the law of my servant Moses. You know, an important part of our relationship with the Lord is to remember some stuff. Remember what God's done. Remember how God has spoken to you. I, just this morning, about six 6.15 this morning, I was getting ready, I was up and had my showers, getting ready, and my phone dinged, I looked down, I got, a, I got two or three pastor friends that text me every Sunday morning, and say, hey bro, I'm praying for you today, I'm praying for you today, and, and I had another guy, another pastor friend from, my, uh, from Byram that doesn't text me, but he texts me this morning out of nowhere and says, hey man, give me one word. He said, just give me one word of what you think about when you think about giving your life to Christ. Just one word. He said, don't overthink it, just give me one word. And so I gave him the word peace. And I had to think because that was 50 years ago. Almost 50 years ago. I, get, I turned 58 next month. So I gave my life to Christ when I was 8 years old. That would be 50 years ago. I had to think back 50 years. What did I? What did that mean to me? What did I remember from 50 years ago when I gave my life to Christ? Is I remember that I had peace. Oh, look, It wasn't this big mountaintop experience for an 8-year-old kid, but I do remember I had peace. That God loved me and that I wasn't going to go to hell. I was going to go to heaven and God loved me. And I had the peace of eternal life with Him. Now, I've found out that there's more to the Christian life than just making sure I ain't going to hell, even though I'm glad I ain't going to hell. But I found out there's more to it. But I had peace. But I had to remember. Remember what God's done. I'm going, y'all, a lot of y'all know I'm on this social media fast. I'm in mean, like day 27, 28, a 40-day 40, 40 social media fast. I've been off Facebook, been off all kinds of all, all social media. I'll tell you what, it's been nice. I may be off for a while, y'all might not see me for a while, it has been nice, and, and I'm telling you, the Lord is, and so what I'm doing, I've told you this, what I'm doing each day is I read the Psalm that goes along with that day, so today is I think day 28, so today I will read Psalm 28. And then I'm also, i got a group of guys called my big dogs. There's about 60 of us that are reading through the Bible together, all the way through the Bible. And so right now we're right in the middle of the Psalms. So I'm just saturated with the Psalms right now, which is wonderful. And what I have seen, what I've noticed is I've been in the Psalms so much is there are so many times that David, who wrote a whole bunch of the Psalms, and some of the other guys that wrote the Psalms, over and over, David would say, I remember when God did this, and then he would praise God for it. Like, like, like he said, let me see, he said in Psalm chapter 9, verse 1, he said, I will recount, I will recount all of your wondrous deeds. Now we don't say that word recount very much. New Living Translation says, I will tell of all the wonderful things you've done. Well, when, How are you going to tell of all the wonderful things you, that God's done? you got to remember what those wonderful things are, which means you've got to have some wonderful things that He's done for you. And that's what He's done. And so you remember how God's worked. Uh, psalm uh, chapter 13 verse 6 says god has been so good to me that's what david said god has been so good to me anybody else in here be able to say that same thing raise your hand if that's true of you god's been so good to me and see we remember how god's been good to us and that's what god said through malachi to the remember the law that i gave to my servant moses at horeb now horeb is the same as mount sinai which is the place where Moses went up and got the Ten Commandments. Aren't right, you remember that now? You remember that story from the Old Testament? By the way, I'm going to preach through the Ten Commandments through the summer months, starting in June. We're going to be in the Ten Commandments. And so God said, Remember the law that I gave to my servants. In other words, remember those Ten Commandments. And so we better remember the Ten Commandments. They're our standard. They, they are our unchanging standard. Now let me quickly say this. You can't be saved by keeping the Ten Commandments. There's been multiple times over the years that I would be witnessing somebody and ask them, say, hey, what do you think it takes for a person to be, to, to have a relationship with Jesus, to have eternal life? And they'll say, well, you know, I think you've got to be a good person to try to keep the Ten Commandments. Well, that, that sounds That sounds like an honorable thing to do. Try to be a good person and try to keep the Ten Commandments. Well, you can try all you want to do that and it will send you straight to hell. Because you can't keep them. Because guess what, bro? You have broken every one of them. Sister, you have broken every one of those Ten Commandments. I have too. Well, I ain't committed adultery on my husband. Yeah, but you looked at that hot hunk down at the beach two weeks ago and you lusted in your mind. Those just going to get y'all ladies too. I wasn't going to leave you out today. Yeah, we've broken all of them and the Bible says if you break one you've broken all of them that's why we need Jesus we got to remember the standard the standard God's revealed word we got to remember this it does not change and so we and when we remember what God did when he gave Moses the Ten Commandments we remember not only did he give the Ten Commandments but he showed that he was a God of power You remember, because what else did he do with Moses? He was a God of deliverance. He set the people free through Moses. He's a God of holiness. He says, here's my standard. This is how you're supposed to live your life. He showed so much about himself and we remember that we are in a war right now. Because here's the standard and the world says, get rid of that standard. The world says, that's so stupid. Here's what the world is... These students who are standing up here now at Tri-County, they have not heard this. I hope that I don't think they have. But once they get to Cole Lynn and Hines and State and Ole Miss and wherever they're going, and what we all hear is the world saying, there is no right or wrong. There is no absolute standard of truth. You just decide what your version of truth is, and you decide how you want to live your life based on your definition of what truth is, and that's, that's how you live your life. And you know what God says to that? He says, no! I am the God of truth. This is my standard of truth. I have set up my truth, and the only way to live your life is according to my standard of truth. That's what God says. So, daddy, if anybody... Ought to know the truth of God. I'll just stop right there. Do you know the truth of God, men? Do you know this thing, or do you even know where it is? Does it have a bunch of dust on it? Is it up under the seat of your truck because you hadn't seen it? Do you look at it any time between Sundays? Do you even look at it on Sundays? Because if there's anybody that needs to know the truth of God and be living the truth of God and setting the example for their kids by the truth of God are the men of the church, the men of the families, the fathers of the families. Because this is the standard. And God's standard doesn't change. This is it. His revealed Word does not change. Then there's a warning. God's repenting Word. Verse 5. God says, Behold, I'll send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes. Man, I loved Elijah. He was one of those Old Testament prophets. I loved Elijah. He may be my favorite one. Because I just remember as a kid reading the story about Elijah and the prophets of Baal up on the top of Mount Carmel. Do you remember that story? There's about 450 of those prophets. They up there, Then you know, Elijah challenged them to a duel. Hey, let's see which God, whose God is the real God. Let's see whose God is the real God. Man, that, that, that ain't fair, man. That ain't fair, Elijah. Come on, man. But he said, "Let's come on, come on. Let's see whose God is the real God." Got up and the they, they made this altar and they were going to sacrifice. And whoever can, God will call, will uh, drop fire from heaven. Then we will believe he's the real God. So you guys go first. <laughs> and so we watch, man, and for hours, all day long, for hours, these prophets of Baal running around, hollering, screaming, cutting themselves, just whooping and hollering, crying out to their God. And Isaiah's sitting over on the side just going, hey, y'all need to holler a little louder. I don't think he can hear you very well. Hey, maybe your God is taking, uh, taking a nap right now. The living Bible says maybe your God is in the bathroom right now. I mean, seriously, it says that. It's like maybe your God's relieving himself. He's, he's too busy right now. He's not listening to you. Hey, y'all dance a little more, cut yourself a little more, holler a little louder. Maybe your God will. And finally, all the prophets of Baal laying around just bleeding and just worn slap out. And Isaiah, uh, Jer- uh, Elijah prays and says, God send the fire, and the fire falls from heaven. You got Elijah, you got Isaiah the prophet, man. If there's ever a prophet in the Old Testament that said Jesus is coming, it's Isaiah. He's the one who said there will be one who will be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. He's the one who said a virgin will conceive, will bear a child, and you will call his name Emmanuel. He's the one in Isaiah chapter 53 that talked about the suffering servant who would be like a sheep led to slaughter. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. The Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That comes from, uh, from Isaiah. Jeremiah was the weeping prophet. You know why he was the weeping prophet? Because nobody would listen to him. Preachers feel that way sometimes. That Jeremiah just felt like, "Well, God has told me to tell y'all this. God has told me to tell you. You've got to return to Him." And the people go, "Just shut up, man. We don't want to listen to you." And he would just weep. The prophet Nathan was the prophet that stood up in front of the king, in front of King David, and said, "You, you have sinned against God." After, after King David had. An affair with Bathsheba, and then had her husband killed. And you got Elijah, now you got Malachi. What does a prophet do? A prophet stands before the people and says, This is what God says. This is what God says. This is what God is about to do. And you better repent. You better repent. And so today, preachers serve that same purpose. My mama used to say, Johnny, you make sure that they know that a prophet has been in the land. When you preach, you make sure they know that a prophet has been in the land. Well, I'm not a prophet, but I am a preacher of the Word of God. And I have the same responsibility these prophets had to stand before the people of God and say, this is what God says. This is what God is going to do. And you must repent. Because here's what he says, there is a day coming that is going to be the great day of the Lord when it's going to be too late, my brother. And you're sitting here in church today and you're hearing the truth of the Gospel. And you know it's the truth. And some of you are going to walk out of here you've heard the Gospel. You know that you need to make a decision with your life. You know you need to turn your life over to the Lord. And you can walk out those doors or walk out these doors and hope that you get another chance. But there will come a day when there will be no more chances. And that great day of the Lord is coming. And it's my responsibility to warn you that that day is coming. And to tell you, you need to turn your life over to Jesus. Daddy, if you're a daddy and you don't know Christ, then today is the day that you need to give your life to Jesus. Daddy, if you're a guy that does know Jesus, but you ain't living for the Lord, then you better repent today and get right with God. And lead that family the way that you're supposed to be leading them. There's going to come a day, the great day of the Lord, when it's going to be too late. When it's going to be too late. And so today is the day to repent Give your life to Jesus today. And that's for everybody, but specifically for you daddies here today. Give your life to Christ today. If you're not living for the Lord today, then you repent. Turn away from whatever that sin is that is in your life. That secret sin that nobody knows about. That way that you have turned your back on the Lord just like all the people did. That's why Malachi is crying out to them because they're just so apathetic toward God. And there are men everywhere that are so apathetic toward the Lord. And a preacher gets up and preaches the truth of the Word of God and calls people to repentance. He's like, I ain't doing that. I ain't letting anybody see me get all emotional. And If I walk up there, they're going to think something's wrong with me. Something is wrong with you. You need Jesus. We all need Christ. We're all broken. We're all sinners. And we need Jesus and the warning is there is a great day of the lord coming when it's going to be too late and then finally the result is god will restore the hearts of the fathers verse 6 he will return the hearts of the fathers to their children he'll turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. listen the reason preachers and prophets get up and stand up and sweat and spit and holler and do all the things that we do it's not to beat people up and try to condemn people, but it's just to say, listen, right now, God's mercy and grace is still being extended to you. And so you still got an opportunity to get right with the Lord. And that's, that's the result. And the result is that if you're going to avoid, to avoid God's judgment, people's lives have to be changed. But the only way their lives are going to be changed is if their heart is changed. That's why he says he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. Turn their hearts to the fathers to the children. This is not just a change of outward behavior. This is an inward change of your heart. Because once that inward change gets once that inward heart gets changed, the outward behavior follows. And specifically in this verse right here. The change will be seen in ordinary fathers having their hearts changed toward their children. So how does this happen and what does it look like? I've got to finish this thing up. Let me wrap it up. How does this happen? What does it look like? It happens. It happens when we fathers humble ourselves before the Lord and realize we desperately need God's help we humble our, one of our one of our problems the, I, I can talk to this because I'm one of you one of our problems is our stinking pride our pride our, our manly pride that gets in the way and we read the word of god that says humble yourself before the lord and that means we got to be broken before the lord that means you might cry that means you may show some weakness God says, if you'll humble yourself before me, in James chapter 4, He said, if you'll humble yourself before me, I will lift you up. The exact opposite is true. You stay prideful, and He will put you down. The change happens when we fathers humble ourselves before the Lord and realize we desperately need His help. The change happens when we dads stop ignoring our kids and just giving them the leftovers of our lives. I'm not picking on you because it happens to us preachers all the time. They used to tell us in seminary back in 1986, 87, 88, 89, but way back then they would tell us in seminary. The president of the seminary would get up and look at us and say, you preacher boys, you better make sure that you don't sacrifice your family on the altar of ministry. There have been a lot of preachers that have done that. There have been times that I've done that. My daughter's sitting back there and she could probably give testimony to that. There have been times that I've gotten so busy doing God's stuff that I left my family behind. We dads just give the leftovers to our family if there's anything left. I know you've got to work. I know you've got to make, bu- make money. I know you've got to run your business. But brother, let me tell you something. Your first priority is your wife and those kids. Your heart changes when we stop ignoring our kids. It happens when we dads stop abusing our kids. We stop criticizing them. We stop putting them down and making them live under the cloud of our disapproval. It happens when we dads let go of bitterness toward our kids for never saying thanks, never showing us gratitude for all we've done. And we forgive them biblically and completely. It happens when we dads realize that we are loved unconditionally by God and then we show that love to our kids and we tell our kids that we love them that way. Dr. Tony Evans said, never underestimate your role as a father. Remember, dads, that your view, your children's view of God will largely be dependent on their view of you. Wake up, brother. Wake up. Invitation today, I'm going to ask the guys that I've asked to help with the invitation to take their places, if you would. Last week, I... Because we have talked to the ladies last week. I asked some of our ladies to stand and help during the invitation give you ladies the opportunity to pray with somebody. I've asked a few guys to position themselves around the room for the men to respond, young or old, whether you're a father or not. just give you men the opportunity to respond to this invitation. If You need to go pray with a brother in Christ. Jeff's back there. Dante, Michael's coming up here. Harvey's here. There's other guys here that you can pray with. You can pray with me. You need to go pray with a brother in Christ right now about your life. That you know you need Jesus. Well then, brother, you call out to Jesus. You know you need to get right with the Lord, and you're not right with the Lord. Man, drop that pride and get to one of these guys, or get to this altar, or come to me, and let's make this thing right. Let's get right. Let's get right. Other decisions, man. If anybody here male or female, young or old, man or woman, needs to give your life to Jesus. Don't let that stop you. Ladies, don't let that stop you. I need Jesus. But today, he preached to the men. Listen, if you need Jesus, come to Jesus. I'm just giving the opportunity for the men in the room today to go to a brother in Christ and pray, and get honest before the Lord, and let God do a work in our hearts and lives. Man, I need it. I need it as bad as anybody in this room. I've got to be the man of God before I'm ever going to be your pastor I'm going to be the husband I'm supposed to be and the father I'm supposed to be and now the grandfather I'm supposed to be I'm just telling you it's that important so don't miss this opportunity guys don't let the enemy tell you don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it we're going to pray right now and then we're going to stand and if you need to go and pray with somebody you do it now, come to this altar grab your wife, you may need to grab your wife and kids and come to the altar, you're welcome to do that too pray together father help us now right now to do business with you lord as men god help us to step up and stand up and do what we're called to do and be the men of god you have called us to be for your glory and your honor father help us to do that in jesus name i pray amen if god's speaking to your heart would you come right now as we stand together and sing you be obedient to him respond to him right now